0: Thank you for checking out this podcast from Mountain View Christmas Center, a place to connect. Getting in the Christmas spirit. And you know what I mean when I'm talking about the Christmas spirit. I mean it's a it's the joy and the love and the peace and the and the generosity and the and the fun, the peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Woo! We like that. That's good stuff. Of course. The question I'm wrestling with is, are there, and and I've actually titled the message this morning, The Unholy Spirits of Christmas. How many of you know that there are some unholy spirits of Christmas? And I see a lot of you, some of you are shaking your head and some of you are just kind of hesitant, not sure. if I don't know if I want to agree with this or not. Before I go too far, I, I, I want you to know, I'm not one of these, you know, Radical, really crazy uh, Pentecostals that sees a spirit or a demon around every corner. Okay, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm not one of those. So when I'm talking about spirits this morning, when I'm when I'm referring to the spirit of Christmas, you know what I'm talking about the the love, joy, peace, generosity, goodwill toward men. That, good stuff. So I'm talking about the unholy spirits. It's going to be kind of the opposite of that. I'm not talking literally about demons, all right? So, now we got that out of the way, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and hold them up. You know the drill. You repeat after me. This is the Word of God. It's able to make me wise. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. And this message is for me. Is it just me, or has anybody else noticed that people today seem to be driven by feelings more than logic? You know, there's a lot of we're, we're such a touchy-feely, get my feelings hurt over everything society. It just kind of drives me crazy. It makes me feel bad. Cut. All right. But right, you talk to any twenty-something. Ask any 20-something what they think about something. Give you an opinion on an issue. I don't care whether it's spiritual, it's political. I don't care if it has to do with dinner or a television show. You ask any 20-something what they think about something. And time and again, you're going to hear something like this. Well, I feel that. Well, I feel like. Well, I feel as if, come on, I'm not asking you how you feel. I want to know what you think. I don't, Now well, I got to be careful. I don't want to say I don't care about your feelings, but I'm not worried so much about your feelings. I want to know what you think. Feelings are good. Don't get me wrong. Feelings are, they're a good thing. Emotions are a good thing. God gave us our emotions, and, and everything that God gives is good. Amen. So God gave us our emotions, and it, and it really is kind of that emotional base where we reflect God. We're created in his image, we're created in his likeness, and we know it's not this physical visage. It's, it's our spiritual self, and it's those emotions. Every emotion that you have, every emotion that you have experienced, God had first. Laughter, love, joy, peace, anger, frustration. These are all things that that God has dealt with, and that, and, and you reflect Him in that. And so our emotions are good. God gave them to us. However, we're not to be led by our emotions. Okay? We, we can't allow our feelings to be our guide or our heart to be our guide. How I many of you know you let your heart be your guide, you're gonna get yourself in trouble? Why? Jeremiah 17:9 answers that question for us it says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it we can't let our heart or our feelings our emotions be our guide we've got to use that gray matter between our ears we've got to use wisdom and understanding you know and if, and if the heart can't be trusted why is it that we try to so much I think the simple answer on that is because it's easy and it just feels good sometimes to start with. And sometimes logic and wisdom don't feel good. Right? So we'd rather do that thing that feels good. It's human nature. We need to be careful. Let's pray. Father, this morning I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would guide us lord may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight and i ask your holy spirit to go today where i can't go to the very heart of each and every one lord as we look at the season of stewardship and we look today at the unholy spirits of christmas lord would you give us insight I pray, Father, that each one of us will walk out of here different than we came in. Lord, praising you, glorifying you, drawing closer in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk about a few unholy spirits. The first one I want to talk about this morning that we get caught up in this time of year is this what I call the spirit of feelings. The spirit of feelings. What do I mean by this? Well, here's here's a bad thing. When giving doesn't necessarily make you feel good, it just masks feeling bad. Then it's bad. Then it's cheap. Or or when it masks the feeling cheap, then it's an unholy thing. In other words, what I'm saying is if, if I'm looking at giving a gift to somebody, But I'm doing it not because I love that person, not because I want to bless that person, but because I feel kind of guilty because they got me something, or if I want to get them something, but boy, you know, I really have—I've got like ten bucks. But what I want to give them, or what they want, is twenty or thirty. If I only spend ten, I'm gonna—I'm gonna feel cheap. I'm gonna feel guilty about not giving to them the same amount that they gave to me. That's an unholy spirit of of feeling. I can't be driven by that, and that leads to poor stewardship. All this, we need to understand, comes under the heading of the season of stewardship. So, spirit of feelings, that's a bad one to try and be driven by at Christmas. Guilt, guilt is an unholy motivator, and it's an identifier of poor stewardship. If I'm given just to appease my guilt, I'm giving in the wrong spirit. You should never be motivated to give to somebody just because of guilt. That's not, that's not an appropriate or a, a worthy gift. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. How often are you cheerful when you're feeling guilty? They really don't work together. And this passage in 2 Corinthians, we we oftentimes use uh, when it comes to reference of, of offerings at church. You know, whether to a building fund or to missions or what have you. And, and, and that's true. You know, we talk about tithes. Honestly, God doesn't care how you feel about tithes. He wants your obedience. When it comes to offerings, whether it's, like I say, to a, to a, a building fund or to missions, or we've got the giving tree out here. I just want to remind you, Deb's done a lot of footwork and, and uh, talked to the schools and found a family that uh, is, is pretty needy several kids and uh, encourage you to go and grab something off there. But if you can't go and grab something off there joyfully, if you can't go and, and buy a gift for a kid, a jacket, whatever whatever that card says that they need, if you can't do it joyfully, then please don't do it. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And, and you ought not be guilted into it just because it's Christmas time I don't want you to be guilted into it. I want you to give. I want you to help because you want to, because the desire is there. Not because you're under compulsion. We should never be compelled or compulsed, if you will, to give. That would be the spirit of feelings, the first and foremost unholy spirit that so many people are driven by at Christmas time. And honestly, has anybody here known somebody that has given out of guilt? It kind of sucks the joy right out of the gift. Here, I hope you enjoyed it. It took my last dime. I'm not going to eat for a week, but it's really great. Enjoy these cinnamon rolls. They look really good. no, 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 no. I'm fine. I haven't eaten for a month. But you enjoy that? Just kind of sucks the joy. I mean, not enough that I wouldn't eat the cinnamon roll, but the next one I want to look at, the next spirit I want to look at is the spirit of appearances. Boy, this is a tough one. We get caught up in in the spirit of appearances. In this, it's probably universal, but I live in America, and we are a materialistic country, and and boy, we we really like to look good, I mean, how, how how many of the products out there for sale has to do with trying to make you look good, feel good, be better, uh, you talking to your clothes, nobody goes out to buy clothes that's gonna make you look dumpy and frumpy, right, we wanna look what we want. And you don't go and buy hair products that are designed to make your hair fall out, at least you're not supposed to. We don't go and buy, you know, women don't go and buy makeup that's gonna make them look like a circus clown, they wanna look good. And we want them to look good for crying out loud. But we have a problem when we get caught up in appearances, and we're concerned about appearances. We need to understand something. Generosity is a good thing. Generosity, God talks a lot about generosity. Generosity is a good thing. It's biblical until it crosses the line. You know, there is a line where generosity becomes poor stewardship. And it's often driven by our desire for appearances. Let's take a look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. Paul writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit says this if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. What's Paul saying? Again, we use this when we talk about missions or or any of the projects that the church wants to do. We talk about, yeah, God wants you to be a cheerful giver and the gift is is good as long as it's, you know, within your means to what you have. But this goes also for giving at Christmas or at birthdays or any other time that you want to give somebody a special gift. If your whole motivating factor is that it's gonna make you look good, it's gonna make you appear good, make you appear generous to somebody else that your motive is all messed up. And the gift isn't worth whatever you just spent on it. The gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. And we need to understand this. Regardless of appearances, a generous person is going to be generous, regardless of the season or the occasion. We kind of get twisted around when we get to Christmas because all the retailers are out there screaming in our ears and getting our kids all excited and telling us what they need, and what they ought to have, and what they deserve and whatnot. We and, and it's easy for us to get distracted, and it's easy for us to to get into this burden of guilt that if I don't give enough, then I'm not going to look good enough. I'm going to look cheap. I'm going to look like a tight water I'm going to I'm going to you know look silly. That's the spirit of appearance. Understand this, if you can't afford your generosity, it's bad stewardship. If you can't afford to give the gift that you're planning on giving, and you give it anyway, if you can't afford the money that you're spending at Christmas time, you are being a bad steward. I don't care how excited the kids get or your spouse gets or or the recipient of the gift gets, if if you're giving and you can't afford it, It's not generosity, it's, let me just be blunt, it's stupidity. And it's poor stewardship. And though it may please the person receiving, it displeases God to whom you give account. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is rife with Passages extolling the virtues of generosity. You can't, you can't hardly read through a, a chapter of Proverbs without seeing something that references generosity and the blessing of being generous. But it also has a lot of passages that warn against the folly of thoughtless generosity. Thoughtless generosity. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 17:18. It's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or to put up security for a friend. You ever have somebody come and ask you for help? They got themselves into a bind. Or they, they committed themselves to a, I don't know, a car they couldn't afford or something. They couldn't, hey, can you come and help? You know, the Bible's saying that's that's not smart. That's not wise to do it, to do it for a friend. There's another place that says, you know what, if somebody does put up security for a stranger, does step out in this pseudo-generosity, you ought to take their bed for security. If they don't come through, you need to understand, if you don't come through, not only is the person that you're helping going to be without, but so are you. And God hasn't blessed you for you to, to, to utilize what I would call thoughtless generosity. Galatians 2.6 tells us that God doesn't judge by external appearance. He's not, in other words, he's not concerned about what you look like on the outside or how it appears. He is not impressed with us when we give big gifts to look good. Jesus was sitting in the temple, one and one of my favorite stories, I say that about just about every story about Jesus, but one of my favorite stories, Jesus is in the temple one day, and he's with his, he's with his disciples, and they got church going on. And it came time for the offering. And they're sitting there, and, and this always cracks me up, because, you know, we, we want to take up the offering real privately, and, and, you know, you have an envelope, you can slip your, your check in or your cash in or whatever, and, and nobody needs to know. Nobody it's nobody's business what I'm giving. It's between me and God. But in this particular story, Jesus is sitting in the front row. will will be like, Jesus, move forward. Jesus is sitting in the front row with his disciples, and he's watching the people come up and drop their, their gifts in the offering box. And the disciples are getting pretty impressed because there are some people, they are loaded. I mean, they got bucks. And they're dropping in these huge wads of cash, and they're dropping in big coin purses. I mean, it's impressive. And Jesus is just kind of like, yeah, yeah, Whatever. Couple hundred bucks, thousand bucks, whatever. And the disciples are like, Did you see that? Yeah, whatever. But then this little old lady, this widow woman, comes up and she drops in two copper coins. And the Bible's careful to tell us that they were worth about a penny. And she drops those in. And when those leave her fingers, Jesus lights up. And I can, I can just see him nudging Peter and slapping John. Did you guys see that? What, little old lady? Yeah, we saw a little old lady. What? No, did you see what she gave? Peter's looking at John. Did I miss something? There's just a couple of... Jesus, you guys don't get it. Man, you're so impressed with the outward appearance. You're impressed with what somebody looks like. You're impressed with, with the big gift. But those people gave out of the abundance. It, it, didn't, it didn't hurt them. It didn't affect them. It didn't cost them anything. But this little old lady that none of you paid any attention to, she came up and she dropped in two coins. And, and it might be good for us to notice that Jesus did not stop her. She dropped in two coins. You know what she gave? She gave everything she had to live on. She gave out of the abundance of her heart and her faith and her trust. And that got Jesus excited more than anything else that day. You see, God doesn't judge us by the outward actions. He's judging us by our hearts and the attitudes of our hearts. And if we're just given in to the to the spirit of appearances, and we're just worried about what other people are going to think, and we're just giving so that somebody else thinks we're cool, or at least doesn't think we're a tightwad, doesn't think that we're cheap. You're giving in to an unholy spirit. And you're desecrating what Christmas is all about. Don't do it, it's poor stewardship. 1 Samuel 16, 7 tells us in opposition to what Galatians 2, 6 says, man looks at the outward, but the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. If you're giving out of thoughtless generosity so that you appear equal to others, you're wrong. If you're gift-giving and your gift-buying, so that you look special rather than just wanting to bless with what you have. You're wrong. Your stewardship is all messed up. Not only is it not going to bless you, it's not going to bless God. That's going to be even worse. And finally this morning, keeping it kind of short, the third spirit I want to look at this morning is the spirit of splurge. Laugh, but you know what splurge is. <laughs> I don't need to see any fingers pointing now. Come on. And I'll be—I'll be honest with you. We're probably all guilty of operating the spirit of splurge, a time or two. And, and let me—let me back up. To—to splurge is not necessarily bad. Okay. Deb and I, in—in in my opinion, I think she would agree. When we went to Hawaii for our 25th anniversary, we splurged. We saved for about five years. We put money aside for about five years so that we could buy the tickets. Whoa, almost tripped. Buy the tickets to get over there so we could have a decent hotel and that we would have some cash so we wouldn't have to worry about where we went to eat or the or the uh, souvenirs that we would get or the different, because you know, we had this idea in our mind that Hawaii is kind of expensive. We've been told that by everybody that went over there. All right, well, that's fine. Well, in balancing that, we looked at each other, so you know what, We've, at this point, we survived 20 years. If we can survive 25, I think she deserves something for surviving 25 years with me. I know, I know, I know you're looking at me and saying, boy, that, that would have to be really easy. What a blessed woman, and I tend to agree with you, but the truth of the matter is, I'm not quite as cool as I appear sometimes. And I'm very humble. <laughs> so anyway, we looked at it and we said, hey, let's let's start saving for five years, that's 60 months. If we put a little bit of money aside every month, and so we, we open up a separate account that was our anniversary account, and and just had a direct transfer from one account to another. That every month we're going to put this money, in, so that when we got to Hawaii, we could splurge. The definition of splurge is to spend freely or extravagantly. And we did that, and it wasn't wrong because we had saved. We had, you know, focused money intentionally. We didn't. We didn't take from our tithes. We didn't take from our offerings. We didn't. We didn't pull back from giving to missions. We just said we're going to sacrifice here this much every week or every month, so that there we're going to have enough to not worry about it. That's good stewardship. I'm not patting myself on the back. But that's good stewardship, and it's okay to splurge then. It's fine because I and and we knew how much we had. So you splurge, splurge, splurge right up until it's gone. Then. You're done. So that, you know, then you have to utilize wisdom. Okay, well, if I've spent half of it and I still got 10 days to go, better back off, start eating at McDonald's a little more or something. But too many times, we're not utilizing the, the good nature or the good sense of splurge when it comes to Christmas and it comes to other gift giving events. We get so caught up and what the retailers are telling us. And and we realize, oh man, I've gone 11 months, I new Christmas was coming, and I didn't put anything aside. And I just can't help myself. I got to buy it. It's the latest, greatest, newest. They got to have this, that, and the other. I got to have at least 15 gifts to give them. And, and you know, on top of buying the gifts, and you got to buy the wrap, you got to buy all this and the other. Well, praise the Lord for plastic. And we splurge ourselves right into debt. That's an unholy spirit. In 1924, George Mallory was planning to try and be the first person to summit Mount Everest. He had tried two other times, and he was going for his third attempt. And when he was in New York being interviewed by a a paper there, they asked him, Why? Why do you want to climb Mount Everest, the tallest point? In all of the world, why do you want to climb Mount Everest? And his response was this, and it's been quoted numerous times, because it's there. I want to climb it because it's there. And that's great. That's that's wonderful. You know, he died. He didn't make it to the top. He died trying. I'm not going to take anything away from him for, for trying something he had a passion for. But when we start taking it in a stewardship sense, it's been said that women will buy anything as long as it's on sale, whether they need it or not. If it's on sale, they'll buy it. Because it's there. And and lest you think it's just women, men have a tendency to do it, it's just we buy different things. Because it's there. Because it's on sale. Oh man, what was it last week? It was Black Friday. And, and I'm waiting for that to become a racist thing. I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, I'm looking at Facebook, and I'm seeing all these people that are, I'm sorry if you fall into this, insane. But you know what? If you fall into it, you're probably not going to believe it anyway. So all these people, that they, they get up at ungodly hours of the night, and they go out and they shop. And then they're posting up all the things that... Oh, I saved so much money. Man, I got 28 pairs of socks. And I saved this much money. And I'm like, dude, I slept in and had a cup of coffee. My favorite post was, I stayed home, didn't go shopping. I saved a whole bunch of money. Seriously. We get caught up, and and I'm not trying to pick on anybody that did go out Black Friday shopping, whatever. That's your thing, that's your thing. Great. But think about this. If you're buying just because it's on sale and you don't really have a need for it, you don't have a use for it, don't have a purpose for it, and nobody else that you know does, if you're just buying it because, hey, it's there, it's for sale, I might as well buy 60 of them. Are you ready for this? That's poor stewardship. It's a waste of what God has given you that you could be using for his glory. Now, I know when it comes to businesses and whatnot, sometimes sometimes you gotta strike while the iron's hot. And you gotta get some, if, if you have a plan for what you are purchasing and you are going to put it into use, that's one thing and that's not what I'm talking about. But if you're just going out and buying it because it's there and it's on sale and who knows, I may someday, one day wanna look at it. That's poor stewardship. It doesn't bless God, and don't expect him to bless you about that. Consider Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 4. This is is when the Israelites had come out of Egypt, and they traveled for 40 years in the desert. 40 years in the desert. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 4. God speaking to the people through Moses your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Your clothes didn't wear out. Is there anybody here besides a man that's got the same clothes they had 40 years ago? Because, you know, guys, we're pretty good. We find one style that works and that's it. We're, We're in for life. But anybody else... No, seasons change, style change. we got to get with, but you know why this passage is important is because before they left, God commanded the Israelite uh, women, the mothers, he told them, he says, hey, look, when you get ready, when I'm going to bring you out of Egypt, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to your neighbors. And I want you to ask them for silver and for gold. You're going to plunder them when you leave. And he said, ask for clothes for your children. He didn't tell any of the adults to ask for extra clothes for themselves because you're done growing. He said, ask for clothes for your children. Why? Because they're going to grow. You're going to be out here for a while. They're going to need a change of clothes again. But, but as they obeyed God, as they stepped out in faith, they went, so, <clears throat> excuse me, so, 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 so the, their neighbors happily, gladly gave them gold and gave them silver. They, they, they walked out with a ton of money and gave them Food, and gave them clothing, gave them everything that they asked for. Because they asked in obedience to the word of God, God said, I'm going to make their hearts soft towards you. And they did. But then we jumped to Deuteronomy, because they, they weren't supposed to ask for extra clothes for themselves. You say, you know what, for 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet didn't swell. I've got a pair of boots I've had over 20 years. I've had three different soles on them three or four sets of heels, they wear out, but theirs did not. Here's the reality. Just saying, this is all I'm saying, is that when we're buying what you don't need and holding on to it just in case, that's poor stewardship, not good stewardship. If God can make somebody's clothes last for 40 years in the desert, he can meet your needs. But you gotta be a good steward. Splurge is the antithesis of self-control, and this is why it's so bad. Splurge is the antithesis of self-control. Self-control is the bedrock of good stewardship. Self-control, believer, is part of the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. Proof, if you will, of God's Holy Spirit residing in you and working in you and changing you from the inside out. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and not or, and self control. There's a couple things we can read into that. One, God's not going to come down and put a clamp on you and keep you from doing anything. God is not going to force you to do anything. But the evidence of his spirit at work in your life is that you are going to learn, you're going to develop self-control. Self-control that many of us need at this time of year. we we'll go out shopping. Self-control to not buy into the unholy spirits of appearance, feelings, and splurge. Self-control to say, that's cool, but I don't really need that. That's neat, but I can't really afford that. I'll tell you what, if your generosity leads to you not being able to pay your bills at the end of the month, you're wrong. If your generosity leads to you not eating, your kid's not eating, you're wrong. If your generosity leads to huge credit card debt that takes you months to pay off, I'm not I'm not anti credit card. It's a tool. Pay it off every month. Those interest rates are ridiculous and it's poor stewardship. I'll well, just end with this. Too many people go too big let me make it more personal too many christians go too big at christmas time and it results in excessive debt credit card debt etc that often not always but often results in people failing to give to god what belongs to god matthew chapter 22 verse 21 Teachers of the law, Pharisees, Sadducees, whatever, came to Jesus with a coin that had Caesar's picture on it. it. Said, hey, Jesus, what do you say? Is it all right for us to pay taxes or not? He says, show me a coin. Whose picture's on it? He says, well, that's Caesar. He says, all right. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You give to God what belongs to God. And they knew exactly what he was talking about. The first 10% is his. It's not the retailers. It's not the utility people's. It's God's. You can be good stewards and you can be generous. Just don't be generous to the point of being a bad steward. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you again for this time of year. And I thank you for your generosity. Father, you gave the very best in your son, Jesus Christ. But that was a gift that only you could afford. Jesus, many years later, you gave the very best, your life, that we might have life. But again, that was a gift that only you could afford. Lord, many people in the church, good people, where we have a tendency to get caught up in the spirit of the season, we get caught up in the sales, we get caught up in the in the giving and wanting to see the, the happy smiles, the joyful looks on kids' faces and friends' faces. Lord, oftentimes we do that at the expense of good stewardship. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today who struggles with that, who who is challenged by that, Lord, that that this season as they go about their shopping and their preparing. Lord, I pray that you would help them to be good stewards. Lord, that they would find that that giving what they can brings more pleasure to them, to you, and to the recipient than giving beyond their needs. Lord, I pray that none of us would be bound by guilt as we give. None of us would be blinded by the and Holy Spirits of Christmas time. Lord, I pray that this year you would be glorified and magnified, your people would be blessed. Go with us now as we go on our way in Jesus' precious name. Amen. For more information, you can find us online at www.mountainviewchristiancenter.net.